Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives. One minute of screen time per episode. I'm Richard Dunham from Ghibli Minute. And I'm Chieko Dunham, also from Ghibli Minute. And we have a guest this week... Melanie Greenberg, and I have a YouTube channel called Pardaisy Reviews, where I review Indian cinema. And today we are talking about Minute 72 of the best years of our lives. Minute 72 starts with Al telling Mr. Milton that it's good to hear his voice. And it ends with Al hanging up the phone. So this is basically, we get like the entirety of his conversation almost with uh, with Mr. Milton, his former boss at the bank. I don't know if it was clear exactly what his job was at the bank previous to this, but it wasn't, I mean, they're living in a fairly well-to-do apartment. I was sort of wondering how the family coped and kept up, kept up that nice apartment while uh, he was away at the war, but um, it's not clear how long exactly he was away. Yeah. He was, uh, I believe a sergeant, right? He was a sergeant yeah. in the, I don't know if it was the infantry. Yeah, the infantry. So I don't know if it was the Marines or the Army. So the Army definitely had a lot of campaign, and they both had a lot of campaigns in the Pacific Theater. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Marines stormed a lot of beaches, but uh, the right. Army was also involved in a lot of campaigns like the Guadalcanal. So, I mean, the. Um, I mean, they they say he was in Japan because one of the scenes the night before, his teenage son oh, says, mm-hmm. asked him, and you know, he said, "Well, Dad, you were in Hiroshima. Did you see any effects of the radiation on oh, the people right. that were there?" Mm-hmm. It was a really kind of an odd um, little sequence there. <laughs> but, it was an odd, yeah. It was an interesting <laughs> conversation to witness, I guess. Because I don't, did, I guess U.S. soldiers did go to Hiroshima after the bombing, but I don't know how soon after. Uh, I don't know. It was just, it, yeah. I mean, it, the, the the surrender wasn't immediate. No, that. it wasn't. It so like, uh, it'd have to be like a couple months at, at least. Maybe not that long, but yeah, probably like a, a few weeks afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I had a question behind them on the bookcase. Is that the Maltese Falcon? Oh, I don't know. I didn't even notice that. Where? Right over Myrna Loy's shoulder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it kind of looks, looks like the Maltese like Falcon to me. It's weird. And it, uh, it seems like the, I was just look, kind of looking at the knickknacks and the, kind of the set decoration here. I'm going to th- I'm gonna assume that that's a, or I'm going to get a guess, it's a, a set of encyclopedias. Right. Like on the second shelf there. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and that's probably his picture. Yeah, on the I think desk. that's his picture on the yeah. on the desk. Yeah, yeah. I I just love the way Myrna Loy is standing with kind of her hands on her hips or yeah. hands in her pockets or whatever. They both kind of have that hands on the hips thing. What stands out for me in this minute is that they have reconnected, and so instead of telling us with words, the director and the script is showing us by all while he's on the phone, all he has to do is kind of make a hand motion. And she knows instinctively, I'm thinking he wants a pen, but she knows he wants a cigarette. So she brings him the cigarette, 
then she goes and brings him, you know, a match to light it. It just shows it a that, little like, oh, yes, a match. <laughs> oh, yeah. Match. <laughs> yeah. But it just shows that they're back in sync, that like an old married couple, you don't even have to say the word. You just give a look and the other person knows exactly what you want or what you need at that moment or and so, and also he's making the faces while he's on the phone with Mr. Milton, who is obviously not his favorite yeah. person. And he's making the grimaces and she's like rolling her eyes back. Like they know like, oh yeah, that Mr. Milton. And she <laughs> lip syncs exactly what he says. Yeah. I mean, just to make the, the whole in sync notion totally explicit. It says they're fine too. It's like she lip syncs yeah. it at exactly the same time. They're yeah. fine too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just, it just, to me, it just, it, he, they're showing us they've, they've reconnected and yeah. which wasn't apparent just a few minutes previous in, in the film, you know, um, they were having, having some issues and were out of sync. I, this is the, this is the scene that really reminded me of It's a Wonderful Life, uh, which we described in the previous minute, came out just a month after actually this film. It reminds me of the scene where Jimmy Stewart is on the phone and they're, they're you know, their heads are together yeah. on the phone together. And it was a very, it's a very similar kind of showing intimacy of them you know, their heads together like this, listening to this phone call together. I mean, with code and whatever, and not being able to show us other kinds of intimacy. It's just, again, another visual representation of they're together. They're close again. Um, and I just also think that Frederick March is a king at doing the one-sided phone call acting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah, that was, that was, I, that was something that I noticed too, because a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, you know, when people do that, sometimes it's just so, you know, they're obviously just repeating. It's like totally expositional. And it's like, you mm -hmm. would never repeat some, you know, whatever somebody said on the other side. Oh, you said that they're, you know, you want to meet at three o'clock? Okay. It's like, yeah. nobody does that. But yeah. he, it's very, yeah, I noticed that too. It's very natural. And just the and way that he's... Like He's trying, trying to, to break in. He's <laughs> yeah. trying to interrupt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he's even got yeah, that down, which I thought yeah, was perfect. Goodbye. Good, <laughs> goodbye. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Chieko, have you ever had to do kind of the phone call kind of a acting like that in any of the plays that you've done? Um, no, I I have not had this opportunity to have a one-sided phone call. <laughs> Uh, well, or phone this, conversation this is your master class right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very natural. It's you feel like you're watching, you know, an intimate just like a glimpse into someone's life and it's not like you're watching two actors on on film just doing their job. In the previous minute, uh, he he mentions like how loose his pants are. And I'm like, how is he I mean, how is he holding up his pants? But we see a belt here, I think. Well, he's kind of holding thing. it up with his hands on his hip. Actually. <laughs> true. Yes. Yeah, Richard. That's I think you. I, I think you need to p wear a pair of high waisted pants like that. Totally. <laughs> oh yeah, bring yeah. it back. <laughs> high waisted pants. Yes. Uh, it, there. It. I mean, he's look at, like in the closer scenes. There's he's got a belt, like a buckle there, but it looks like like the same material as the, his pants or something. And I tried to look I up. Um. I was like, I wonder what his pants are made of. Uh, is this like they're a... probably wool? They're probably wool. Yeah, yeah. It's like, is this like the gray flannel, like 
Gregory Peck and the man in the gray yeah. flannel suit, which is another kind of uh, uh, you know veteran uh, movie released a few years later, I think. But I did I I looked at like what materials were in use in like 1946. I think uh, rayon was in heavy use, like for a lot of clothing, because wool was in limited supply. And I'd always they used it for all the uniforms. I'm exactly, sure that was yeah. part of the the issue. Yeah, but I think that they make a point that this is his old clothes exactly. because a few minutes mm-hmm. a few minutes previous he opens up their big closet and it's like oh there's all my suits again you know uh, like having to get into civilian clothes yeah m- moving to civilian clothes is much more of an issue for Dana Andrews Freddy character because his totally. his wife doesn't want to see him in a regular suit she only wants to see him in that flyboy uniform with the medals on on yes. on the uh, jacket so yeah i mean there's not an issue there it's just showing how he's changed the previous minute he holds the pants out that he's lost weight uh you know that he's he's not the same man that he was before he went to the war so i was interested to know of rayon i've heard that word before and i'd always assumed that it was like nylon or polyester that it was i don't know i had some idea that it was petroleum based or something it isn't that's what i assume rayon is made from wood pulp oh really? which is yeah you would think i mean even if you're thinking about there's a shortage of wool mm-hmm. there'd probably be a shortage of petroleum too <laughs> yeah war, right? i guess so they yeah be making true stuff from that yeah yeah i wonder uh, so it was kind of like a today i learned thing even with belts i wonder if he if you're donating to the the war effort they might need leather. Uh, maybe get rid of the belts yeah. in the house. But yeah, I, I landed on that thought too. That it was these were probably his old pants. So he uh, the previous minute uh, we didn't comment on, but uh, he's he was going to take them down to Wyndham and Briggs. Like I tried to look for a Wyndham's and Briggs tailor, in, uh, and it Google doesn't exist. <laughs> well, he uh, there was there was another fabric in this film that I. In the uh, I don't know about five or ten minutes previous, and that was the Fred character sleeps in the daughter's bed because he's so drunk that they have to bring him home, and her coverlet is so shiny. Yeah, that's what I was thinking that maybe that was Rayon because it was so <laughs> shiny, and I was also like, why are they putting why are they putting him in the bed and she's on the couch? Like that didn't make any sense to yeah. me. But okay, just for that disorientation when he wakes up, I guess that uh, Let's pull a prank. You know, he's in the fr- he's in the frilly, frilly bed. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, no, I really uh, I like of the minutes. Maybe this was my favorite minute um, because just showing, as I said, how this this couple has gotten in sync. It's not like um, Frederick March's character Al is all better. He still has issues. We're going to see him get drunk in a company dinner and say some things maybe he shouldn't say and so forth later on. Uh, but in this moment, it's like he's back and he's feeling good. And um, this couple has reconnected after this period of of separation. One thing I was thinking about is that, you know, we think about the sacrifice of soldiers in World War II but actually, soldiers that go to Afghanistan and all these other places do so many more tours of duty yeah. and mm-hmm. are away for so much longer 
even than what we think of the sacrifice that these veterans did in World War II. You know, just they keep re-upping and re-upping and they're away for, I think, much longer periods of time in the present day, which is, you know, kind of wild to think about. That's true. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing, when you talk about uh, him adjusting, he came home and he, there's this kind of awkwardness with this phone call. Like he's able to engage in his professional life kind of immediately. Like he's kind of engaging a tool set to kind of, you know, or like a code switching where he's, when he's on the phone with Mr. Milton, there's no, what do I say to Mr. Milton? It's like, we're back in. He's following the script and yeah, he's, he's back in the role. I think this, one of the other, um, I'm a big fan of James Jones who uh, fought in the army in the Pacific theater in World War II. He's a novelist. Who's uh, most of his novel? A lot of his novels is like World War II based novels that become movies. Uh, From Here to Eternity, Thin Red Line, Some Came Running. Um, And it's a lot of his books, there's like the same set of characters. There's the idealistic private, there's the cynical sergeant who's like Burt Lancaster in. From Here to Eternity, and right. Sean Penn was the sergeant in uh, the Terrence Malick's Thin Red Line. There's actually another Thin Red Line uh, TV movie produced in 1965. Wow. wow. Jack I did Warden. not know that. <laughs> yeah, Jack Warden played that. the sergeant. Yeah. I think Kira Dullia was in that one, too. But anyway, Al really, he they say that he was a sergeant in the Pacific Theater, and he kind of really reminds me of that same character, that same uh, James Jones sergeant character in all of those movies. I mean, if you think of uh, a very kind of world-wise, very cynical, and somebody who kind of knows the machinery of the Combine, mm. <laughs> as mm-hmm. Casey would say. I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, if you think to... Uh, it really kind of comes out a little bit more in the in the next minute, but uh, you think uh, you know if you think of uh, you know the way that Burt Lancaster kind of maneuvers everything in the in From Here to Eternity is just a master of the bureaucracy and kind mm. of does everything for his captain, whereas the captain has like almost no inv- involvement in the running of the company. But, uh, you yeah. know, Burt Lancaster knows where all the bodies are buried and yeah. and uh, which forms to file to uh, to keep things moving. This is the kind of, he really reminds me of that that character. I don't know if there's like a, like an evolutionary niche where like just four sergeants. Yeah. I don't know if sergeants right. are that way like in the modern army like in Afghanistan. Yeah, or... it, it definitely is an archetype of these classic films whereas you think about kind of modern sergeants, it's more I, I don't know, I, I think more more of the, the antagonist uh, boot camp kind of sergeant who's so, you know, like from officer and a gentleman or whatever, just yeah. someone who's the swearing and kind of tearing, tearing the hero down until then they can, you know, rise above <laughs> all of the abuse, you know? Those are like the drill sergeants. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. I think I'm think if you look at maybe Jamie Foxx in Jarhead, yeah, has a kind of similar role 
where he's like, he's not, uh, in that movie, like Jake Gyllenhaal is kind of, you know, becomes kind of disillusioned him and uh, Peter Sarsgaard, uh, kind of become disillusioned, but Jamie Foxx, they're like walking is their sergeant. They're like in the first Iraq war, looking at these burning oil fields and Jamie Foxx is like, this is why I'm in this job. And what other job would you be able to see stuff like this? Right? He's wow. not, uh, he's kind of has a very realistic, like no rose colored glasses mm-hmm. view mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. of yeah. the organization that he's a part of. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, this character stands out in that his skills from his previous life and his skill and skills in the army mesh to the job that he is offered and that he takes back at the bank. And, and so, but even, so the film is really showing that even, even someone who has sort of a smooth, seemingly smooth transition back still is having issues, still is drinking, still is having that problem reconnecting with his family completely and and just sort of uh, we see in in scenes to come where he has disagreements with the way the bank just wants to kind of use his veteran status as sort of a status symbol, yeah. but not really uh, seeing seeing that this Mr. Milton and other people don't don't really honor it. There's like it's lip service honoring, but not truly honoring um the service that all these veterans gave. Yeah. When he does like, you know, make this, he's obviously got this cynical exterior and like cynical tool set, I guess you would say uh, a way of, you know, to lock back into the, you know, to the machineries of the corporate. Yeah. The corporate world or the combine or whatever. But uh, when he does take, you know, concrete steps at work, he does have like some ideals which we'll kind of, again, probably dive a little bit more into tomorrow. But when he does, it's a little bit tentative when he does give that loan to the uh, the other veteran for mm-hmm. his farm. And then he does use alcohol as a crutch. Mm-hmm. He's able to, when he makes his speech, expressing in some way, you know, his inner idealism, He's he can only do that because he's drunk. Yeah. Right. What do you think that urn-looking thing is? on the table um it's like in the center of the table yeah um it's like a vase but it's got a lid on it i don't know is that where you dispose of the ash i mean there's an ashtray right there yeah i think it's just decorative decorative Mm. they've got i think it's just a decorative thing yeah they've got a stack of magazines on the on the coffee table and i think there's behind the chair on the right is that another like magazine rack yeah, it looks like it. And uh, what do you think that stuff is on top of the bookcase? Um, more like decorative, more houses yeah, or something. Deco De- decorative, art. decorative pottery or something like that. Yeah. And he says right at the end of this minute, did you catch or say he says goodbye? He hangs up, and then he says like nice to know or something. Did you catch that? Um, I'm not exactly sure what you mean, so I don't, I don't remember. I think he says don't know. Don't know. Yeah, don't he's know. hanging up. He makes yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, so I guess. Um, nice to know that they're thinking of him. That they want him back. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe um, it's a nice to know. Yeah. Or the. Yeah. 
Nice to know. Don't know. I don't know. Something with no. <laughs> okay. All right. Anything else we want to uh, say about this minute? Now, again, I just reiterate, I think this is just my favorite. Having been married for 30 years, I mean, in this, in this they mentioned 20 years of this marriage. Is, I think it was these two veteran actors really uh, showing without telling how close a marriage this is, yeah. you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I just really admire this scene for all that it shows us about them as a couple. And yeah, I just really, I think, you know, Myrna Loy doesn't really have that much dialogue in it, but just the way she's acting and the way, like you said, she mouths the words and whatever, it just, uh, it just shows us their relationship. And I think it's a really great scene for that. That mouthing the words reminds me of the one scene that's in uh, Miracle on 34th Street when the judge says, put, bring, in, bring in the letters to Santa mm-hmm. and put them on my desk. Put them and they're like, on I don't my want to put them. And he just says it silently. He just mouths the words. Put, put them on, on my, my desk. desk. I do remember that. Yeah. That's what I remember about Miracle Force on 34th yeah. Street. It's just you making fun of <laughs> that scene. It's just a little pantomime, mm-hmm. which you would still get like in 1946. And actually, I think uh, when was Miracle on 34th Street? It was 1947. So the next year. Okay. Melanie, can you can you make it back tomorrow? I can make it back tomorrow. I'm looking forward to the next minute of this film. Okay. Listeners, you can find the Best Minute Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever platform Google will have once this is uh, published. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or at the main site, thebestminutes.com. Social media is available at Butch's Place, the Best Years of Our Lives Listeners Cafe on Facebook and on Twitter at The Best Minutes. Please join us here next time on The Best Minutes Podcast. Hey, Joe. You better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.